episode 120 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 12th of April, 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Fainim. All right. Graham. Good evening. And Will. Hello. So here we are, a year on from when I became fully independent, as I said on Twitter. I can't believe it's been that long, but it has. And I just wanted to say thank you, everyone. It's been a very strange year for everyone, obviously, but for me, especially in terms of this. And uh, I wouldn't be here still doing this full time if it wasn't for all of you listening and all of you who've helped me out in various ways, whether that is just listening or contributing financially or, you know, visiting the sponsor links or whatever. You've all made this happen. And, you know, through a combination of this and two and a half admins and my editing work, I'm doing podcasting full time a year later. So thank you, everyone, including you three. So cheers, lads. Good job. (laughs) Well done, Joe. Right. We've got a jam-packed doc full of news stories. So let's get into them. The first is that Signal have finally updated the code for their server side stuff after a year of silence and people wondering what was going on. It turns out they didn't want to update it until they'd finished integrating cryptocurrency payment system. So now if you're in the UK, you can get a beta of sending crypto bullshit through Signal. This is a great idea for them, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, it's so disappointing. I think this is no longer the messenger we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I've used Signal for years, and I'm you know, quite a fan of Moximal and Spike. Um, the initial openness of the project, and of course, it's open source to, to a large extent. Um, but, oh, God, no, please, no. The argument for it goes something like, in order to stay relevant, especially not necessarily in the West, but certainly around the world, Messenger apps tend to have a payment system built into them. I'm thinking more like WeChat and stuff, but WhatsApp increasingly is going down that route. And so to stay relevant, they have to do this. Oh, well, it would be nice if they had decent group chat synced across devices first. <laughs> Personally, I I don't care about cryptocurrency support. They should have created a plugin system where it was optional to have it an integrated part. And also with the 12 months until there's a code drop on the server to kind of hide this development, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for as important a project as it is or should be. Now, now, according to Moxie, there is no correlation between those two things. It just happened to be that they were hiding the anti-spam features. I don't know why you would think those two things were associated. Mm, Yeah, it's just a coincidence, eh? My concern, uh, which is shared with Bruce Schneier, which is linked to in the doc, is that by getting into cryptocurrency, they open themselves up for investigation by all manner of government agencies. Mm. And yeah, for a secure end-to-end encrypted chat platform, that seems like a bad idea. It just seems like they're opening themselves up for attacks across a different number of vectors and the man to get in there and start poking around. I, I, I don't like it. So, Graham, are you going to actively stop using it or what? No, I'm not going to actively stop using it. Um, but I'm definitely on the lookout for something else. Um, I mean, I, to be honest, it, it's it's failed to reach a critical mass, as it has with lots of people, um, to kind of break into my, my friends and family groups. You know, it briefly changed earlier on in this year, which I think we spoke about when Facebook changed its terms for WhatsApp. Um, but I can't, what's the point in recommending everyone then switch to Signal if it's just going to become bogged down with, you know, what Will says or or it just splits development focus um, to be something that they probably hope will make money for them? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. If it's not making any money and suddenly they've got this influx of users because of the Facebook thing and they're struggling to keep their servers up, 
they need to make some money. And this seems like a reasonable way to do it, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, but it's just tainted by the cryptocurrency just stink. Maybe I'm old-fashioned or whatever. And, you know, I, I did somewhat get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies early on, but just the more you learn about them, just the more they have this sort of bad smell about them. Take the next story we're going to talk about, Library, which is the decentralized sort of YouTube equivalent. Um, and they have Odyssey as their platform. Um, libraries like the protocol or whatever, and the, the company. They are being sued by the US government, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, over the fact that they had sold these tokens, which is just a cryptocurrency, which you can then use on the platform. And they're trying to say that, oh, this is all cryptocurrencies are under attack. And and maybe they are, but, you know, the, the same thing with Signal. If you have proper privacy-based cryptocurrency payments, it can be used for money laundering and buying drugs and stuff. I'm not saying that's what people do with it, but it attracts the attention of the authorities because those things can happen with it, much like end-to-end encryption does. I agree. It's a bit like you expect, say, the editor of a website that leaks private information to kind of try and keep fly under the radar as much as they can and not attract attention on the global stage. You kind of, you kind of want that... Um, integrity from a system that is trying to be such an important part of our communication infrastructure. Um, and it's almost the opposite end of that integrity spectrum when it comes to cryptocurrency. This feels a little bit like the the tech bros coming again to say, we want our, our thing to be legal and just trying to force it through uh, sidestep regulation, um, flout laws, not suggesting that, that any of that is happening, but it feels like They've got this idea, this is what they want to do, and the existing um, ways of doing things will not stand in their way because they are right and everybody else is wrong. And it feels like the world is starting to uh, grow up a little bit, catch up with the way that these companies operate, the things that they do, and start to to stop them having this free reign. And reading the article a couple of times, the thing that struck me was that they just seem to be sour grapes here and whinging that they're not allowed to do the thing that they want to do. Well, it's like a lot of so-called disruption. You look at what Uber have done. Oh, let's disrupt taxis by making them all self-employed gig economy workers. Well, now that's going to shit. People are cracking down, governments are cracking down all over the world on that. There was a recent um, case that they lost in the UK, which means they have to treat their workers as employees. And the same thing with Airbnb and stuff. Like You can't just disrupt the hotel industry by completely deregulating it and letting any Tom, Dick or Harry rent out their... Murder house. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it seems that you can do that, and I'm wrong to say you can't, but maybe what I should say is you shouldn't be able to do that, and regulations are there for a reason, and financial regulations are there for a reason, and all these cryptocurrencies are trying to subvert that and disrupt that, but sometimes like you can't just get away with that. I think that's probably the business case though, isn't it? Try and get all your funding, get in, make as much money before you get caught by the regulations, and then been it. It's almost as if it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it is. Wow, that's bizarre. Now, I have some artwork that I would like to sell to you. <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux 
and sign up for a seven-day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. Well, yet another epically long legal battle is Google versus Oracle. And I think that might have come to an end finally over the last week or so. And that is the Supreme Court in America has made the judgment that the APIs that Google copied from Java, it doesn't matter whether or not they are copyrightable because if they were copyrightable, they would be fair use for various reasons. So essentially Google has won, but not quite the victory that they wanted because ideally the judgment would have been that APIs are not copyrightable but it's kind of enough of a win for it to go away for now. Yes, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, The the fact that the API, the publicly available endpoints that lets you access the Java SE functionality are copyrightable is an interesting... I mean, we understand the complexities of the argument, but it shouldn't be the case. Well, the Supreme Court didn't judge that they were copyrightable. They didn't make a judgment on that. Well, they said, we assume for argument's sake that the material was copyrightable. Yeah, which it's, again, you're getting into complicated legal stuff, but yeah, it's they officially didn't make a judgment on that because they, they didn't need to because of the fair use. But it does leave the door open for them to be copyrightable, which had been the judgment of previous cases in lower courts. But I do think it's good that we've got this result because it could have gone the I mean it looked like it was going to go the other way around I don't know a decade ago um so I'm glad that this decision has been made this way because obviously the ramifications are absolutely huge um but I don't know maybe ultimately advantageous to free software in the end if it means that you have to use a proper free software license to describe an API if you want it to propagate Joe you know, the funny thing about that is the fact that Sun are all okay with how like that's one of the things I thought found out about it was the fact that it was only because they made a bags of the mobile edition of Java and Sun had allowed all the different vendors to tweak it a bit for each handset that made such a mess of the standard that Google went well we need to do a proper version that's far more locked down and they enforced the standard properly and Sun were totally okay with it and then along comes Oracle a few years later and fucks that right over like Lineage OS 18.1 has been released. This is based on Android 11. And uh, I saw a couple of articles, one saying it was for nearly 60 devices, one saying it was for over 60 devices. Well, looking down the list, is every fucking OnePlus phone, apart from the OnePlus 6, which I've got, (laughs) (laughs) which was not in the removed list either, it's just fucking disappeared from existence. It lives in this void Seemingly, I only spent about two minutes looking, but um, if anyone knows what's going on with official support for the OnePlus 6, do let me know. I'll still not be upgraded to it. Yeah, you're on like 16 still. Yeah, yeah, let's pretend I'm on 16. <laughs> Definitely not on 15. No way, you can't possibly be that far back, can you? I just can't be arsed saving all my 
packages and getting it all done. And oh, if you could just over the air upgrade, it'd be fine. But it's when you have to upgrade the baseband and stuff and then it wipes everything out on you. It's so painful. It can be, yeah. Yeah. And I've a load of one time passwords in there, which if I don't back up correctly means I've got to reset about 60 accounts, which is just not funny. <laughs> I see. Stupid two-factor auth. If I'm going to set everything to the same password and be done with it. That's what I do. <laughs> Too fucking right. So otherwise, it's not anything of huge interest, I don't think, in this to me. There, were, there was two that I thought were pretty cool, and that was Seed Vault, where you can back up to your own Nextcloud box and stuff like that, which is quite a nice way to get a backup on your phone. And then the other one which I thought was quite good was the sensitive phone numbers, which it's the first time I've heard of that where you can there's actually a a repository that people can contribute stuff to so if it's like um you know abusive spouse or things like that those numbers don't get saved in your call history which i thought was a really smart way to deal with that on to a bit of admin then and first of all thank you everyone for supporting us on paypal and patreon we really do appreciate that remember five dollars or more on patreon gets you an advert free rss feed you can go to latenightlinux.com support to get more details of that and you can go to latenightlinux.com slash contact if you want to get in touch with us. The next community mumble get-together will be on Friday the 24th of April at 10pm UK time. Details as ever at latenightlinux.com slash mumble. And check out Late Night Linux Extra 19. We didn't actually do a recording from the community meetup for that. It was a chat that I had with Sean Davis, who we've talked about on this show quite a lot with his involvement with Zubuntu and kind of moving over to elementary and the reasons for that. And so I went into quite a lot of detail with him for that. And also, we recorded a bit of a silly question that someone sent to us, um, and that was the four of us. Um, And it was about our tech superstitions, so that's in there as well, about five minutes of that towards the end. So do check it out, Late Night Linux Extra 19. I'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, if you've got any more non-Linux questions for us, then maybe we could put some of those on the extra because we can record them when we get together every other week and uh, then just stick it in extra maybe. So yeah, non-Linuxy questions, just sort of silly stuff maybe. But you'll you'll get an idea from listening to that extra episode. And also, Graeme, you were on Linux Unplugged episode 400 talking about brewing beer with Linux. Yeah, I didn't realize how excited I was about brewing beer on Linux until I got <laughs> my opportunity to talk about it. It was a stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, the whole episode was about brewing beer and trying to use Linux where possible for that. Um, so yeah, we'll link to that as well. It's a big special episode 400. And they've got a Stein as well available, like a commemorative Stein that you can buy. I can't remember the URL for that, but uh, they, it's in their show notes anyway. My RSI inflicted wrists has never been able to wrist lift three litres of booze. Jesus. <laughs> I think it's like two, I don't know. It's uh, it's a commemorative anyway for 400. And yeah, 400 episodes, man. Like we got to 100 of this and that felt like a big achievement. But four fucking hundred, that's pretty good. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux to get started with $100 free credit and 60 days to use it. Linode offers cloud computing solutions in data centers all over the world. Whether it's scalable VMs with a choice of major distros or one-click apps and stacks, dedicated CPU and high RAM instances, block and object storage, or cloud firewalls and DDoS protection, Linode has everything you need for your personal projects right up to managed enterprise infrastructure. I recently moved our website over to Linode and it was really straightforward. 
and when I needed a mumble server for our community meetups, spinning up a new VM for that was an absolute breeze. Everything's been running flawlessly since I set it up, and I love the peace of mind I get from the automatic backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, get your $100 credit, and check out Linode's great cloud hosting services and first class always available support. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. So Project Common Voice, this is Mozilla's initiative to put together a huge database of voice samples that have been donated from all around the world. I've given my voice to this. The idea being that if you want to make a text-to-speech system or speech-to-text or whatever, you've got a common repository that we can all use. And today it was announced that NVIDIA is giving them $1.5 million for this which seems pretty cool of NVIDIA. You can see why they might possibly want to do that. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what the sequence of these two events was, and I just thought, in typical Mozilla fashion, they've cancelled the project just as they got a a load of money in. Well, not quite, because what they are winding down is deep speech, which is their sort of project to analyse and deal with all of the speech data that they've got which they say is sort of mature enough now for them to step back, which I'm not sure about that. But I think it's important to separate the data that you're training on and the algorithms that you are pointing at that data. Like just because they wind down one doesn't necessarily mean the other one's going away. Yeah, I take your point. I just, I do worry the fact that they've said that something's going to be the growth for the next 10 years and there's them turning off a bit of it. That just seems to be perhaps a bit premature. They do have a known record of not doing too well with predicting the future. Yeah, but isn't the point that anybody can use Project Common Voice? Any project can come along, or company, or whatever, and use that data set? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's great. I mean, I I just... I think you need to kind of keep researching and developing these things, don't you? Because otherwise they get old hat before they've even begun. But haven't we spent the last year or so criticizing Mozilla for having too many fingers in too many pies? Well, if this is the one that's going to be the next 10 years, the only way to interface it stuff, it's no doubt the one that they'll cancel. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it unsurprising that NVIDIA are investing in this? I don't follow that. Well, if you're going to train your algorithms on this data, how are you going to do it with NVIDIA hardware and CUDA? And so an investment in this, almost democratizing speech data to train machine learning bullshit is just getting the data into the hands of more people who will buy more NVIDIA hardware to do the job. And it also buys them a bit of goodwill in the community, doesn't it? Yeah, fair play. If it's a world full of touchscreens and voice activation, it's frankly, I just don't want to be in it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You too will be replaced. (laughs) Just wait till they have an AI sysadmin, man. It's not too far away. Ah, fucking, we'll have that audio recording shape fixed first. Don't you worry. I'll make sure of it. I'll (laughs) donate every penny I have. What I do is art failing. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yours is just science. I mean, slightly related to this, um, and I don't want to turn this into another complaining against Mozilla post, but um, Mitchell Baker wrote a blog post a couple of days ago on reflections on one year as the CEO of uh, Mozilla. And... uh, I found it 
to be there was no real content or any meaning in the things that she said it's like we are the sum of our parts mozilla's superpower is that our mission and our structure is to allow us to benefit <laughs> from the aggregate strength that's created by all of our employees and volunteers and friends and users and supporters and customers jesus <laughs> <sighs> and <laughs> mozilla's mission is unchanged but how we get there must those do seem like pretty empty words, but we get accused all the time of being Mozilla haters. Mm. And I don't think that's fair, is it? Not at all. I think we, we all care deeply about Mozilla. You know, it's, it's so important, so vital to the freedom of the internet and the way that we access it, that it's just too important to, to kind of abstain from being part of the conversation on it. That's what I think that for, the, for me, that's how I feel. It's been my browser since about 2002, I think. And I haven't used any other browser. I've got the odd one for testing or whatever, but yeah, I want them to do well. I want them to succeed. I want them to get those percentage numbers back up. But geez, they have an awful painful way of trying to do it. I'm scared that they weren't doing enough to keep relevant and to stay at the forefront. And we risk losing Mozilla, and that's very, very scary because without them to offer some balance to the force, then we are all done for. Just a quick mention for a project the EFF has launched called Am I Flocked, which is a fairly amusing pun, I suppose. Flock is Federated Learning of Cohorts. It's Google's latest targeted advertising experiment. The long and the short of it is, instead of using tracking cookies, Chrome automatically looks at your browsing history and decides, oh, you are a Linux person, so I'll put you in the group of Linux people so you'll get adverts about Linux stuff or you know whatever other subject. And it's obviously lots of very complicated code to do that. And the EFF says that is bullshit and it's a terrible idea. A lot of other people say it as well. And if the EFF say it, then that's good enough for me. And Am I Flocked is a website where you can go in Chrome and see if you have been opted into the trial of this. And uh, I have got Chrome installed. I did, and I wasn't, so that's all good. But yeah, if you use Chrome, it might be worth looking at this. Uh, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, if you uh, fancy a, a more in-depth look and a big discussion about it, uh, Bad Voltage did a, a show on this, um, the last one, in fact, and uh, they try to figure out what it is and how it works as well. Not that anybody really knows how it fully works, but yeah, it's a good discussion nonetheless. Yeah, I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. Now one thing that is a little bit awkward to talk about for some of us here but not for me, is that Popey has announced that he's leaving Canonical. So he announced this on Twitter. He said, after nine excellent years, April the 30th is my last day at Canonical working on Ubuntu and Snapcraft. 
I've thoroughly enjoyed my time working on so many interesting projects over the years with such amazing people. It's time for some new adventures, though. More on new job another time. So he's not said where he's going yet, but it sounds like he's got something lined up. Now, the reason this is awkward is because Popey's not the only person to have left Canonical in recent times, is he? I can think of two other fairly prominent people, Martin Wimpress and Hayden Barnes. <laughs> and of course, you left, Will, but that's that wasn't that recent. Now, a lot of people have asked a lot of questions about this. I, I mean, I don't expect you, Will, and you, Graham, to say anything about this. No, Alan can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, all I'm going to say is this. Look for Glassdoor canonical and draw your own fucking conclusions that aside i think it is worth just pointing out how long popey has been in the ubuntu community he's been at canonical for nine years he's been in the ubuntu community a lot longer than that he's been helping people out for oh, as long as i can remember since the very very beginning of ubuntu for sure and you know around in the open source ecosystem before that so um we all owe a huge debt of gratitude to popey i'm extremely grateful for everything he's done for open source and for ubuntu and uh, wish him all the very best in the future yeah well said will it's very true yeah yeah and he's going to continue doing the ubuntu podcast and he's still an ubuntu member and he's still going to be involved you know you can't just turn that stuff off because he got a job because he loved ubuntu and because he was invested in it personally and you know he'd spent a lot of time because he, he loves it he loves open source he loves linux he loves ubuntu so he's still going to be around but we all wish him the best right quick kde corner then um the first one kde's cute five patch collection so now that cute six has come out cute five lts is like commercial only and so now the kde team are having to maintain a patch set for Qt 5. Yeah, um, I mean, I think this is actually quite a good result from it. You've got a good team of people there, and it's not like they're working against Qt. Qt know about this, so I think this is a good thing. And I think you kind of suggested something like this, Graham, before. Yeah, I was worried that it would be like a fork that the KDE team would maintain. But no, as you say, this seems to be, you know, a tolerated border where things can kind of go from one side to the other without too much um, bureaucracy. And it is only a transition period, so hopefully it's sorted out. I, that was a Brexit thing, wasn't it? And I missed it. <laughs> he didn't mention fish, so he didn't know. Straight away. All right, what's this SOK improving Kirigami docs? So season of KDE, it's a bit like Google Summer of Code, except for KDE, and it's not in the summer. Uh, so yeah, not really like it then at all. But uh, so Kirigami, the toolkit used for mainly building mobile apps. Um, it doesn't have to be, but uh, apps that can do convergence and stuff like that. One of the people there, Claudio Cambra, had a project to improve all the documentation. That has now gone upstream to the KDE docs. And he's also got an application that he wrote as well, Day Countdown with a K, uh, obviously. And uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's good because I think, you know, people getting involved in doing QML and Kirigami components, I think it's really good because, you know, that could be the future phone uh, of me, maybe. And Nate blogged about how he learned to stop worrying and love the hamburger menu. <laughs> yes, not just one-sider. Uh, yeah, it... 
it was kind of funny because there was a few digs at Gnome's version of hamburger, which he thinks maybe haven't been done right. And I kind of agree with him. Um, you know, where you're excluding things like shortcuts and you're not helping people learn how to do things better. You're just hiding stuff away for the sake of it, it seems sometimes. Um, so it's a new library K hamburger menu, obviously. <laughs> uh, and, but that is a good thing because I think if we have consistency where there's one library doing that, it stops, you know, lots of different applications doing their own thing. And to be quite honest, I generally hide my toolbars away as well and use the global hamburger menu. Uh, so I don't have a big cluttered menu bar across the top trying to get extra bit of space. So I think if they can do this consistently and do it properly from the library level, I think that's a, only a good thing. Right. Well, we better get out of here then. I'm going to talk a little bit longer than normal because people have criticised us for seemingly rushing the last bit of the show because the music fades up, which I do in post-production. So hopefully now that will have only just about started now, but I've got no idea. Uh, So anyway, we'll be back next week when we'll be covering loads of your feedback. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. Goodbye. See you later.